Welcome back to Feminist Book Club, the podcast. We're not just about feminist books. We are here for social justice, literature, and media in all its forms. But we do that through an intersectional feminist lens. Thanks for being here. Let's get started. Become a better feminist and better teacher of the next generation of men with How to Raise a Feminist Son by Sonora Ja, author of the recent acclaimed novel, The Laughter. Beautifully written and deeply personal, this tour de force memoir follows the struggles and triumphs of a single immigrant mother of color trying to instill feminist values in her American son. From teaching consent to counteracting problematic messages from the media, well-meaning family, and our culture at large, Ja offers an empowering, imperfect feminism brimming with honest insight and actionable advice. Ja draws on her work as a professor of journalism specializing in social justice movements and social media, conversations had with experts, psychologists, and fellow parents, and powerful stories from her own life to show us all how to raise feminist sons in this electrifying memoir. Says Ijoma Oluo, this book is a true love letter, not only to Ja's own son, but also to all of our sons and to the parents, especially mothers who raised them. Says Rebecca Solnit, a beautiful hybrid of memoir, manifesto, instruction manual, and rumination on the power of story and the possibility of family. Further praised by Mira Jacob, Soraya Shamali, and more, and featured in Ms. Magazine, NPR, The Rumpus, Booklist, and Publishers Weekly, How to Raise a Feminist Son is a must-read for anyone trying to raise boys. How to Raise a Feminist Son, a memoir and manifesto by Sonora Ja is available wherever books are sold or online at penguinrandomhouse.com. Hello, everyone. My name is Tin Kim, and my pronouns are she, her, and I'm here with Jordy, pronouns she, her to talk about romance, not just romance, but romance and spice. So I know you've all been waiting for this. Um, so we're going to discuss about sex and romances, how that has changed. You know, I'm an older romance reader, how did it change from then to now? And, and how does that, why do we like it? What's so exciting about it? My first question would be, you know, the romances that you first started reading, were they just as explicit as they are today? And has there been like a lot of variation or has everything kind of stayed the same? They're definitely explicit. You know, um, if for those who don't want to read sex on the page, there, you know, there's books that what we would call closed door. I, uh, some people use the word clean or sweet romance, which I don't like the connotations. That means that romances with sex are dirty or not sweet. Um, so I like to say closed door which means that if you don't see the actual doing it on the page, they just allude to it. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely spicy. You know, I remember I asked Beverly Jenkins something similar to this. So uh, Beverly Jenkins writes historical Black romance, must read, and they're all set in the U.S. after the Civil War. So um, I know a lot of people think historical, they think Regency or Bridgerton type stuff, but history is longer than that but yeah definitely like interesting positions um lots of orgasms i think that the writing back then was a little more flowery people didn't use the more specific terms of body parts as they do now in romances which i appreciate because you can only read about his steel member for so many times before you start you know snorting yeah that's hilarious and one thing that i think about when it comes to reading sex scenes in books, especially if it's a series by the same author, is just 
the creativity that they have to have, you know, and making sure that each scene isn't the exact same or, you know, described in the same way, in the same manner. And I feel like it's much harder to write it out, obviously, than to like actually do it. So I think authors have a pretty difficult task when it comes to writing romances and the sex scenes. And so when authors deliver on that, I think it's pretty awesome for the reader. Yeah, I think the key is to focus on the emotional parts of that love scene, right? Like from the point of view, from from whichever character you're reading from, like why did they choose to be intimate with with this person at this time, at this um, mind, you know, their state of mind? How does that color the experience for them? I think that's what makes it so exciting because really, if you think about the mechanics of sex, it's pretty basic, right? Like it's this more or less like the same few things over and over. But I think like reading those emotional what they're going through and how does that moment with that person change them at the end? Like once they're finished with this, this coupling, uh, having sex with their, the, their partner, like, did they decide that, yes, this is the person for me or like, Oh shit. I, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Let me like freak out. Like, like you could in real life. I think that's what makes them more interesting. I live for the emotional buildup between characters I think there could be a potential misconception when it comes to certain romance books. I think some people think, you know, there's sex on every page or in every chapter. And I'm sure there are some books like that. If you're looking for it, I'm sure you could find it. But I love in my romance books when I read about the relationship development and it's like, you know, you're still halfway through and there's only been like lingering moments and teasing moments. And it's like, ah, like, when are they going to do it? And then when it finally happens, it's like this amazing thing. Yes. And people think sex is like, they're going to be making love and it's all soft and, and warm and good feels. But um, we have sex for so many reasons. You know, I was just thinking about Angelina M. Lopez's book, Serving Sin. It's the third book of her winery series. And it's um, it's a second chance romance. And they had a the couple had a really bad breakup. And she is a princess who owns a winery. And there's a scene where they are so angry and they hate each other so much, but they can't keep their hands off each other and they just get freaky. It's so good because you know, like. They don't even like they don't want to be near each other, but they just can't help it. Um, and that just makes it the the book more dynamic and more exciting. Yeah, that just reminds me of, you know, the different tropes that are in romance books. You know, you have the grumpy sunshine. You could have what it sounds like you're describing as is, you know, enemies to lovers or you could have friends to lovers. You have second chance romances. You have there's just I feel like an endless possibility of scenarios. Um, when it comes to relationships in these books. And I I love seeing it all come together. Yeah. Oh, I just want to correct. I gave the wrong title. It's actually Hate Crush, which is the second book of the series for Angelina Lopez. You know, one thing I have noticed when I came back into reading romance is that I'm seeing more and more romances, cis-het romances, where um, there's oral sex first performed on the woman. Um, so I love that she gets her orgasm first and he may or may not get his, which is so different from the romances I grew up reading, which is always, they would have sex, 
she didn't know what was happening. Maybe he like finished sooner than uh, before she could have her orgasm. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily like the the woman's pleasure was prior- prioritized first. And I love seeing that more and more now in in uh, romances. Yeah, I think this kind of going back to a previous conversation we had where I feel like romance books have empowered me to verbalize, you know, what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, uh, what I want, what my desires are. And I think seeing those scenes play out in romance books has definitely helped with making taboo topics less taboo. And it's normalized, like, you know, like, this can happen this way. And, you know, it's, it's okay. Like, it's not something that you should, like, if, you know, you get that, you shouldn't have to like immediately be like, okay, well, you know, what am I going to do for you now? It can just be like what it is. I love that. And I agree. Like, definitely, they have given me more courage and confidence to talk about my desires. And I think as a romance writer, I also feel uh, an obligation to um, write good consent in my books, right? And, and for every for every scene, right? Because consent is something that you can um, you can give, and you can you're allowed to change your mind. So to show that giving consent does not have to be dry, right? It can be sexy and romantic. And there are a lot of romance writers who do a great job with this. Um, and also for me, safer sex, right? Condom usage or talking about testing and STIs. And and everyone's like, oh, why put the real life stuff? But there are people who read these books and they are modeling it, right, for their sex life. So why not just talk about condom use? Like it's just one line, just to normalize it, right? It's something that maybe the couple talks about or, or she asks them, do you have a condom or whatnot? I think those are really important things to include when writing romance and to read. For me, I kind of talked about how I grew up in this bubble. And so reading about those conversations, I've definitely noticed more of that in the books that are coming out more recently, um, but has definitely kind of normalized that conversation. And it's almost made me feel like, no, like this is a conversation that should be had. And if it's a conversation that whoever you're with can't have, I think that's a sign that maybe you should slow down a bit. Yeah, definitely. And in that same vein, like a lot of people will read romances to explore fantasies of heaven. I think we talked about in the previous segment about relationships and maybe maybe they were curious what it's like to introduce another person into their relationship or try a, a, a sex toy or something, but they're not ready to actually do it. They just want to read about it. I think that's a good safe place for someone to explore um, fantasies or something new. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, at least in my mind, kind of verbalizing some of these things or proposing certain things, I would be like, oh, like, is it is it embarrassing to bring this up? Or should I I be embarrassed if I want this or whatever? And I think seeing characters and books either doing the same thing or bringing up the same things, it has made it feel normal. And like, I'm not alone in my thought process. Yeah, I think knowing you're not alone is such a underrated, like people don't talk about that when it comes to reading books, right? Even though these characters are fictional, they represent real things that we all go through, feelings and emotions and fears. And we can see how they react to it. And maybe we can say, oh, well, 
maybe that's how we should or shouldn't, you know, handle this. Or maybe they got help. They like to see a therapist and maybe that's something that I should look into. Yeah, I think we can honestly learn so much about who we are, what we want, life in general from romance books inside the bedroom and outside the bedroom. I know, like, it just sounds so serious, but these are serious and sometimes heavy topics that uh, romance novels can cover in a way that doesn't feel overwhelming to me, right? Because it's in this lens that we know that whatever rough time these characters are having, that they're going to have happy ending. And of course, not all their problems will be solved, just like in, in real life, I think. But we know that they have found a way to be happy. And to me, that gives me hope. And no matter what I'm dealing with, we will find a way to be happy. So what are some of your favorite spiciest books that you've read? Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going to self-rec. I'm going to um, recommend my first book, Happy Endings. The heroine is a sex toy sales consultant. And she knows her way around toys on her own and with her partner. I love uh, Sarah McLean. She writes the most banana sex scenes um, in Brazen and the Beast. There's one on a ship and the ship's mast. That's all I will tell you. <laughs> um, and, um, oh gosh, Hot Rabbi by Aviva Blakeman. There's some really good spacey scenes in there too. What about you? So I'm not going to lie. I feel like when I'm reading these books, while I'm in the moment, I'm like, oh, wow, this is so spicy. This is so good. And then I'll remember it for like a few days and then I'll forget like how spicy something was compared to other books that I've read. So it's so hard for me to go back and be like, yes, this one was super spicy or like this one was just, you know, whatever. Um, But I will say the ones that have stuck with me are honestly Talia Hibbert's. I feel like her sex scenes have been some of my favorite for a multitude of reasons. Um, But I honestly appreciate, like, I hear a lot of times some people, like, when they're putting out, like, how spicy a book is or rating how spicy a book is, people get backlash. And I just want to say, like, it doesn't, if you think it's spicy, it's spicy. If you loved it, it was great. And so I just, I honestly just enjoy reading about the characters' lives and seeing them happy, honestly. I, I Honestly, any romance book is a good one for me. Yeah, I think that's a good point about Spice Level. Because we're in a world where not everyone gets the equal, the same sex education, right? And as, as humans, we find different things sexy and arousing. So Spice means different things to different people. Um, for some people, you know, one sex scene, one, it could be spicy because that's their you know, experience and background. And for some people, they want like the whole full kink experience. So it just really, it's okay that your spice is not the same as somebody else. So just remember that. That's why I think, I think there's no um, like true spice rating for, for books because we all come from such different experiences. And I think until people, we've equalized sex education in this country, then it's going to be like that. And I will say I've gotten almost all of my sex education from romance books. <laughs> oh my gosh, that could be a whole nother segment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the good, the bad, the ugly, the right, the wrong, everything is uh, that I've gained has at least 95% come from some sort of romance book. Well, I have to say most of my early sex education from romances were not the best. 
So I'm glad you have better romances to learn from. All right. So if any of you out there have some spicy romance book recommendations or spicy series that you'd love to share, we would love to hear about them and put them on our TBRs. Yes. And if you've enjoyed the these the series with Jordi and I, um, you know, and you want to hear more, let us know what topics in the romance world you'd like to hear us chat about. Happy readings, everybody. Uh, happy readings. We learned about patriarchy, white supremacy, and capitalism from our parents as they shaped our behavior to make us successful in a world dominated by those social forces. But this taught us to ignore and deny our needs, which is why so many of us don't know how to meet or even identify them. This also leads to conflict with our children because we can't find strategies that meet our and children's needs. Fortunately, there's a way we can make family life easier and create a better world in the process. Parenting Beyond Power, a new book by parenting educator Jen Lumanlin of Your Parenting Mojo offers a simple yet revolutionary framework to replace the conventional parent-child power struggle with collaboration. This new approach helps parents look beneath challenging behaviors, stalling, throwing tantrums, using mean words, and hitting, to find and meet children's needs without conventional discipline like timeouts, countdowns, and consequences. And most of the time, this helps us to meet our own needs too. With sample scripts, flowcharts, resources, and more, find solutions that make parenting dramatically easier. Parenting Beyond Power, How to Use Connection and Collaboration to Transform Your Family and the World is available now wherever books are sold or online at penguinrandomhouse.com. Find more information, videos, and bonuses at yourparentingmojo.com book. Hello, my name is Caroline M. Watson. And today we're going to have a little chit chat about something that can be a big struggle for a lot of people. Um, and that is reading. <laughs> I know at Feminist Book Club, we, uh, you know, love to read, but sometimes that can be pretty difficult if you are neurodivergent in any type of way. So I, think we'll talk a little bit about that today if you want to introduce yourself to Knox. Hey y'all I'm Knox Kiros my pronouns are she her and hers and yeah I'm neurodivergent as all hell and I love reading but sometimes my TBR does not love me back and sometimes I just need a diff I need some like help picking out what I'm going to read next. Absolutely yeah I think um, my specific brain ailments uh, in include but are not limited to ADHD and it's been a lifelong struggle for me especially on that you know overachieving highly intellectual child to burnt out ADHD adult pipeline um, it can be really tough when you know that you love to read and you know your brain craves it but sometimes it's just such a roadblock in front of you and I know that both of us have found different ways to kind of jump over those roadblocks for our brains and that has become sort of the the gamification of reading 
And that can look so many different ways for people because everybody likes to play different games. Everybody likes different rewards, different little treats for yourself when you succeed or complete a task. But has that some, is that something that has helped you a lot in your reading journey? I'd say definitely. Um, So I took gamification to a quite literal meaning, I think, because I decided to make a TBR game for myself. So I am very into TTRPGs. I'm in a couple of actual plays. I run campaigns. I'm very very much into that community. I keep uh, my social media for that separate than my book social media because I am autistic and I do need separate things for my little interest. but it's something that I very much love as a part of me. And so um, I saw a bunch of people who are also neurodivergent. Like I have a million chores I need to do. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a little game out of it and I'm going to roll D20, see what uh, chore I get. And, you know, I can take HP away from a monster each time I do one of my little tasks. And I was like, that's genius. So I made on Canva, a little, it looks like a, like something scrolled in like a notebook paper for school. It says roll for TBR and it's 20 squares. I'll take, I'll go on StoryGraph and take the pictures um, of the books that I want to read, like just general books I want to read. And I will roll a D20 and that will tell me what I'm going to read. And then I have like a whole little system um, because for like HP and stuff. So I have like a million different book social medias. So if I review the book, I get to take away more HP, things like that. It's um, if I DNF a book, I give HP to the monster. <laughs> if I read and review a book, I get to take HP away. If I read an arc, if I review an arc, if I upload a video, a blog post, if I post a bookstagram, TikTok, all of that takes away different amounts of HP. And I make myself little monsters that I'm fighting. So like uh, D&D, there's the beholder. So I drew a little beholder. (laughs) And it's like slowly like adding damage to beholder. Um, I drew a little, uh, I I was doing one for like a specific video about autism um, representation in literature. So I drew a blue puzzle piece named Speakeasy. And that was the monster I destroyed with my autism recommendations. (laughs) Incredible. (laughs) I love it it helps so much because then I don't have to decide I love that for for anybody who's not a part of the the D&D world could you give us some uh insight on some of those acronyms that you that you said oh yeah totally didn't even think about that um so I guess I'll start with HP HP is hit points so it's how much health um a creature has so I always start with um 100 hit points I take away slow uh, certain amounts. So there's 20 books. So I take away, it's not like, oh, if I fill out a sheet, I take away a monster, you know, automatically um, because I want to make sure I'm also reviewing books because that's something important to me. I want to make sure mm-hmm. I'm talking about the books because I want to talk about the books I like more. So I take away health until the health gets to zero. So that's HP. A beholder is this blob with a bunch of eyes and like eye tentacles. Like 
Nobody else will be able to see this. I'll try to show you my my beholder, though. Okay. So <laughs> for those who can't see it, I'm looking at a gorgeous monster with tentacles. And uh, was there one eyeball? One eyeball in the center and then like tentacles of eyes on the ends of them. I love beholders. Amazing. They're so cute. <laughs> I I have no connection to the D&D world other than just watching videos of people play it which maybe is a big connection, but I've never played myself. But seeing that lovely monster and, and hearing how much this has helped with your reading is making me want to jump on that bandwagon. It's really fun. I, I highly recommend it for people who love stories because if you've ever been like, oh, there's a story I want to tell, there's so many different kinds. There's not just D&D. Um, and then it leads to things like this. Like there's a lot about TTRPGs and gamifying things in general that can be super helpful when you're trying to build certain habits and things like that. And for this, I really was just having, I put myself in a reading slump, not because I didn't want to read, but because mm-hmm. I had too many options that it started to become overwhelming. And so even when it was like, okay, well, you just read what's due next in the library because I use Libby a lot, right? And I'd be like, but I can also read this book that just came in. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't be trusted to decide. And I'd ask my partner and he goes, well, what do you want to read? And I'm like, I love you, but come on. <laughs> not helpful. <laughs> not helpful. So I ma- I was like, I'm going to make this little game, see if that helps. And it definitely did. And I have like a different sheet for arcs that I like backlist of arcs that I have to read. Cause I really need to work on that feedback ratio, but or books from like the library and things like that. And it really helps because one, it it's like a little reward. <laughs> um, honestly, like I get so happy. My, my partner said, it's kind of funny to watch you get happy drawing blood coming down a beholder. <laughs> or um, I have another one. It's the Insomnomicron, <laughs> which is a joke about the ne- Necronomicon. Um, but I made it the Insomnomicron because I made it when I couldn't sleep. And so I have just this book with an eye in the middle and just like blood coming down. And I'll just be like stimming and being happy as I draw blood coming down as creature. <laughs> and my partner goes, it's a little terrifying. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> He's like, you just like, oh, look at you. And it's like, oh, she must be doing something happy. And it's like blood coming out of an eye. We all have different kinds of little rewards. <laughs> for me it's defeating a monster with reviews and reading there you go a little drop of blood here and there (laughs) but it's you know it's it combines two things that I really love and that like really have like become a big part of me and it also gives me it's something to look forward to right it's definitely gotten me even not just reading more, but it's definitely gotten me to review books a lot more. Like I think I've reviewed the past three books I read. I've reviewed the, I've read three books recently. I reviewed two of them and I'm about to review the third. The only reason I haven't is because I have to put my thoughts into words, but it's gotten me to do that more. It's gotten me to post on social media more, which was something I wanted to do because I missed doing it but I would just overthink it Hmm. and this has gotten me to not overthink it so much 
and I've been a lot happier since I've been actually like talking about the books I like, you know, and like my last review was for uh, Disabled by Amanda Leduc, uh, um, which I got as a recommendation from Renee <laughs> um, when I mentioned something in the uh, the Slack. I got a rec Renee recommended it to me and I read it and I post about it on social media. I made a TikTok about it and it was really cool just like being able to talk about something you know with other people and some mm -hmm. people are like oh I'm going to pick it up you know or oh that sounds interesting or oh that reminds me of this and it's like that's what why I joined the book community in the first place I talked about Hey Hun by uh, Emily Lynn Paulson and I was so glad because the one thing that really got to me about this book other people also felt and I'm like thank you I feel va validated <laughs> that other people understand what I was coming from with this yeah. And I think, you know, this just helped me a lot and I don't get so in my head about it because I'm so focused on, at the very least, I'm going to kill this beholder. Yeah, well, I think that's so cool because I know like D&D &D is such a, a collaborative game and, and it seems like turning your reading into this game has helped you not just with your personal reading, but like kind of reacquaint yourself with the reading community too so it's like a nice mirror of how collaborative uh D&D &D can be too I love that I'm on a different side of the the game coin there a little bit it's definitely more, a little bit more about the little treats the little rewards for me I need the the gold star sticker dopamine hit to keep on chugging definitely I was really struggling similarly with um, just being overwhelmed by how much is out there and, and how much I crave reading and crave information and creativity to the point where I get overwhelmed and therefore just don't read anything, like quickly shut down. And it wasn't until I kind of shifted my brain from thinking I'm going to hyperfixate on reading this book or I'm going to hyperfixate on reading, I instead decided I'm going to hyperfixate on this little square I get to color in when I finish this book. <laughs> or I'm going to hyperfixate on the color of sticky note that I'm going to use to represent this genre in my little notebook. Things like that, which for me has all really harkened back to kind of the library summer reading challenges of my youth or the Pizza Hut book it program, if you will. Like I'm just striving for the eternal personal pan pizza of my mind. I don't know if the the Pizza Hut thing is dating myself. Is that is that a thing that you, you had in school? I didn't have it. Okay. <laughs> Fair. I, I that might specifically be like my area though, because we our pizza was attached to a Taco Bell. Okay. 
So that might that might have still been a thing, and it just wasn't specific to my area because the closest Pizza Hut was attached to a Taco Bell. And as a kid, I thought that all Taco Bells had a Pizza Hut. Fair. They didn't. <laughs> I was very disappointed when I found out. <laughs> um, yeah, the Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, Kentucky Fried Chicken, mix it all in there. I just try my best to set that set that goal of a number and then add in little trinkets and treats along the way. My latest one is similar to you in terms of the drawing is I've been drawing all of my book covers or like little tiny miniature versions after I finish each book. And it has just sent me through the roof in terms of pure joy. I feel like anytime I talk to people about this and maybe you can relate, I feel like, oh, is this weird? Does this seem like I'm working way too hard to enjoy reading to the point where it's like, seems like I don't actually enjoy reading? Like, am I tricking myself? But I feel like it's just, I don't know. It's like anything. It's it's like taking medicine. It's like going to therapy. It's some something you're doing, a little helper, just to help you enjoy and the rest of your life. It's like, oh, I need this little trick to help me enjoy this thing I already want to be enjoying. Is that something you ever feel? Oh, yeah, I definitely feel that. It's why I haven't. So this is the first time I've actually mentioned this, like outside of like talking to my partner, who is also very, very ADHD and autistic. So he gets it Um, like because there's always this idea of especially if I feel like book community and especially for um, because there's so many like femme presenting people on like book social media. So you always get those articles where it's like, oh, book talk or book bookstagram they don't care about reading they just care about aesthetics or oh look how they're doing this to reading and there's always this little voice in the back of my head that's like that's that's what people would think if you explain this and it's like no I'm just neurodivergent it's Mm. it's this helps me in the sense that because I have this little thing to focus on I'm no longer overthinking every little thing so I'm no longer getting like I mean, I still have imposter syndrome, like when it comes to certain things, but I'm able to focus on this and go, it's not that deep. Just stab your beholder. You're all good. Draw blood in the little book. It's fine. Like it's something I can focus on. And like, it's like, you can do it. Like it's helped me so much because I miss that element of connecting especially because this past year I've been I moved away from my family to a state where I didn't know anybody didn't have the best relationship with the roommate I had my partner was in another state for most of the time because he was away at school and then I got sick so I I worked from home it was a very isolating year for me and instead of leaning into the book community and like trying to reach out talk about books I like things like that I withdrew from myself because I was like I don't have an aesthetic background um nobody else can see this I'm currently in my partner's basement this is not an aesthetic background (laughs) that I am recording this from you know it's like I don't have an aesthetic background and I you know really dealt with like like 
self-image, I still deal with like self-image issues, but I was like, so I'm not nearly as attractive as the people who post videos or post TikToks or take selfies with the books and put them on Bookstagram. I don't read a lot of physical books because one, that's expensive, and two, I'm neurodivergent as fuck, as we've said. (laughs) And sometimes processing physical books, that hasn't been a thing for me this year. I have not read a single physical book in 2023 because my brain is not having it right now. Mm -hmm. But a lot of bookstagram is like me holding this book and talking about this book, but I'm still holding this book and same thing with book talk. So then I get in my head about, well, I don't have a physical book. So how am I going to show, oh, look at me with my headphones again for the millionth time in a shirt that looks very similar to the last shirt I was wearing, because if I like an item, I buy 30 of them. I got really, really into my head about all of it. And so I just curled up into myself and having this kind of in a way it sounds very extra right it's like you make you draw a monster you record every little thing you do you made a template to roll a dice to pick a book it's not that deep why are you doing this Knox because having this to focus on got me out of my head it's so freaking extra when I explain it when I explained everything I did but it really helped me feel like I could connect to people again when I really needed it and I still need it because again I can't decide what to read to save my life but this helps and so I definitely worry that telling people is going to be like this whole but are you really enjoying it I am this is letting me enjoy it more because it takes the pressure away from something I really enjoyed one being what am I going to read and two being I I was too anxious to go and connect with people in this let me do that again yeah no I I think yeah it's incredibly relatable and I have a feeling there are a lot of people who would probably benefit from specifically the kind of game you've created for yourself I think that sounds really really stinking cool um yeah and I think there's so many so many different things like if you're not a D person or you're not a gold star sticker person like maybe you like physical games like maybe like you throw some darts <laughs> to, to land on which book you want or yeah like like horseshoe toss onto onto something like you need it just helps you get out of your head I think any of these different things and just helps you yeah get over whatever block it is that's uh, preventing you from doing something that you enjoy which I think happens for a lot of people like just because it's hard to do it doesn't mean it's not something that you enjoy at all i've seen so many people on booktube who make tbr games mm-hmm. so i uh, i have a friend margaret at the word nerd on booktube who made a like dnd inspired world and had a monthly tbr game for of her picking her tbr to go with the challenges to go on these little quests and things like that you know, I've seen people like uh, Jesse from Bowties and Books who had a um, 
TBR cards. So they, it was little cards with like a prompt and you pull a card and, mm. oh, okay, I need to find a book that matches that prompt. Mine is so specific, specifically because if I had a vague prompt, I still wouldn't be able to pick a book. <laughs> and so yeah. I was very like, okay, I need to put specific books. But there are people who have Monopoly boards that they've made or people who just put the name of the, all the books they have in like a random generator. Somebody made a little cardboard uh, vending machine mm-hmm. with little capsules with the names of the books that they want to read you know oh, some I people just that. write it uh i have a mason jar next to me people write it down and put it in a mason jar and pull it out there's so many different ways mm-hmm. and mine is so again incredibly specific because it was incredibly specific for the purpose that i needed it for while also being customizable enough that there was flexibility um if needed so like if i couldn't think of 19 books I put one square um, for my arc list is just a picture of my partner. And what that means is he gets to pick any book. (laughs) So that's why it's a nat 20, because chances of me rolling a nat 20, a natural 20, like rolling a a 20 on a 20-sided dice, that the chances of me rolling that are one out of 20. (laughs) Um, But things like that, it's easily customizable for my purposes. So... Mm. I guess first place to look is what are you specifically needing in this moment mm-hmm. what what do you need help with and what is the best reward for you yeah and I also like mine because mine is like free 99 <laughs> yeah. because I I use my tablet um which I I got for school like a couple years ago um but people can use whatever they have access to. You don't need to do it on a tablet. If you can do it in a notebook, I will lose it if it's in a notebook. But if you can do yours in a notebook, then do yours in a notebook, you know. I really liked when you're like, you draw the book covers. I love that. (laughs) You know, that would be so cool. (laughs) Just do something that makes you happy, makes you want to stim while you're drawing your little beholder and things like that I had to look up how to draw a beholder I was so happy I'm like look at me (laughs) yeah and I think it's it's like had a domino effect for me too I know it's like helped you connect to an online community got you excited about drawing the beholder similarly for me I'm like oh I really like drawing and oh, uh oh, I'm good at it. <laughs> what a what a source of extra joy I found here. So it's just, yeah, I think whatever whatever is something that brings you joy, like how can you tie that in to getting over a roadblock or a barrier with your reading life, I think is a great way to just discover a lot of excitement and and joy and knowledge that you might be blocking yourself off from. My name is Caroline M. Watson. I use she, her pronouns. I am your local ADHD bipolar cutie, and I'm just glad to have been able to speak with you about how much playing a little game has been able to help you get through uh, a neurodivergent block that's uh, unlocked some more joy in your reading life.
Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, I, I was so happy when I saw you pitch this idea. I was like, yes, yes, because I've been doing this and it makes me so happy. Um, my name is Nox Quiros. I am on the internet all the time and I am a little autistic ADHD, TTRPG, um, gremlin <laughs> who loves dice. And loves books. Um, so yeah, I was just, I was very excited. I'm like, yes, I am here to talk about how this helped because it really, really has helped. And I want people to, I feel like maybe it's not something people consciously think about doing when they're going through like a reading slump or something. Um, or when it's like this, everything's overwhelming. It's like, whose first thought, thought is I'm going to roll a dice. Um, I know a lot of people have thought about it. Like I got inspiration, like I said, from people making, uh, doing their chores games on TikTok. Um, so hopefully if this helps like one person decide what they want to do um, with um, helping them like that. I'm actually, you know, I'll post like the templates that I made for my game um, on my social media and I'll give you the link for those for the show notes. So if people want to try mine, um, if you think mine will help you at any means, then I'll leave that. I will link all the books we talked about in the show notes and any extra information we have. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of Feminist Book Club, the podcast. Want to be part of the club? Here's how you can join us. Obviously, subscribe to our podcast and leave a rating and review for Brownie Points. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, and TikTok. All of those links are in the show notes. Sign up for our newsletter to be the first to know what our next monthly book pick is. And check out our award-winning monthly book subscription service. Oprah Magazine named it one of their favorite book boxes, and Shonda Rhimes called us one of her favorite subscription boxes in general. There are multiple membership levels for any budget, and it's an excellent way to support the show and the voices you heard today. See you in the club. Well, red woman is a thing.